All right, so I have a confession to make. It's a guilty pleasure. I watch The Voice. Does anybody else watch The Voice? Okay, any Voice fans? Raise your hand if you're a Voice fan. Okay, right. So if you're a Voice, right, we watch The Voice, and I watch The Voice because my wife watches The Voice, and so she puts it on, and so, like, otherwise I would be praying or reading the Bible or something spiritual like that. And uh, so my wife puts it on, and, and, uh, and it's an interesting show. If you're not familiar with it, The Voice is a, uh, one of those singing shows. And so it's, a, it's, a, it's like a talent show. And so there it is. These are the uh, judges that are there. And, um, well, this is a different season, but these are generally... There, there, there are judges that are there, and what happens is that the judges are, have their backs turned to the singers. And as their backs are turned to the singers, they hear the voice, and at that point, if it's a voice that's good enough for them, they turn their chair, which gives the affirmation, which gives them the the, the success that they were looking for. And as they're affirmed, the contestants, the singers, as they're affirmed, they then have to continually prove themselves. They have things like knockout rounds, challenges, all sorts of things that they might have to prove themselves over and over until at the end, they are affirmed as the voice. They are the, they have the magical tone. They have the magical singing voice. That's the voice. But you know, the more, the more I see this show, the more I see that I live my life this way. That my whole life feels like a series of auditions. And I'm just trying to get others to approve of me, to want me, to desire me, to love me, to say I'm okay. And that if certain chairs in my mind don't turn around, then I've failed completely. Maybe, maybe you're like me. Maybe you grew up and your mom and dad, they, their chair never turned around for you. Their, never chair, their chair never turned around and said, I want you. It was always the chair, the back. That's what you saw. Maybe it was the teachers that you were raised with, that, the, that you wanted them, and no matter how good you did, no matter how hard you tried, their chair never turned around. Maybe, maybe it's yourself. Maybe you've always had your back turned to yourself. You said, I am ugly, I am undesirable, I am I'm not man enough. I'm not woman enough. I don't know. And maybe no matter what you do, you can't, I mean, you can buy your own approval for a minute, but and then it goes away and you fall into a deep depression because you're simply not good enough. We live like this. Even Christ followers live like this. And it's not what God would have for you. The gospel, the gospel is this, that God's chair has turned to the believer based not on your ability, but based on Christ's ability. 
The gospel is that the chair has turned around because it's Jesus who's won the voice. It's Jesus who's accomplished. It's Jesus who has succeeded on your behalf. But we don't live this way. And therefore, sometimes us Christians can be the most miserable people on earth. So, today is a standalone sermon, and I'm going to teach you how to be happy. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach you how to be happy, because it's what everybody wants, right? Everybody goes, you know, what I really want is to be happy. Everybody says that to me, right? That's what I really want. What, what do you want? Oh, I really want to be happy. And so today I'm going to teach you how to be happy, but in order to do that, in order to do that in just 30 minutes or less, I'm going to need you to put your thinking caps on, and we're going to move at lightning speed. We're going to look at a text that God wants us to look at, because the fact is, is that for many of us, the rock of our salvation is the approval of our parents. The rock of our salvation is our approval of ourselves. The rock of our salvation is the, is the goal that we'll get somewhere out there that we haven't yet been able to achieve, or that we'll achieve, and then we'll put another goal, and then we'll achieve, and then we'll put another goal. We'll never, ever, ever have that chair fully turned our way. So today I want to teach you how to be happy, but we got to put on our thinking caps. We're going to read a really beautiful, very profound, unbelievably powerful text. We're going to find it in the scriptures, but I need you to see that in the scripture, I need you to see how, what Christ has done for you and how you should respond to what Christ has done for you. But we have to lay the groundwork. That means you have to put your thinking caps. That means I need you to uh, come along with me, okay? Right? So we're, today we're only fighting for your happiness. So if you don't want to be happy, go ahead, tune out. It's okay. But if you want to be happy, I want to help you, okay? Is that okay? All right. So the, one of the problems to our happiness in Christ, oh, and by the way, today I'm going to be speaking to Christians, the, the people who are in Christ. But if you're not in Christ, this is unbelievably valuable for you because you'll be able to determine whether or not you want to come to Christ. You'll be able to determine whether you want to submit to Christ. You'll be able to determine if Jesus is even something that you want to move towards. And if you are in Christ, this is super, super um, helpful. Okay. So the problem for us is that um, we don't understand the deep and profound beauty of what God has done for us and who God is in our lives. And so there are several responses, several responses that we have to Christ that um, are wrong. There's three responses. I'm hoping that we don't do any of these, but I know a lot of us do. Okay, so when it comes to God, there are three general responses. Okay? It's, oops. It's the self-centered, the self-righteous, and the shallow. The self-centered, the self-righteous, and the shallow. All of these will be miserable. Every one of these. The, 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 the commonality that each one of these share is that they all end in misery. Every one of these. So, let's look at each one, and then we'll talk about different people, and then we'll try to get to the, to the scriptures, okay? So this is just foundational. Okay, so the self-centered. The self-centered are ones that um, say, you know what, God, I don't, wanna ha- I don't have any use for you. 
I'm, you know what, if, if it's got to be, it's up to me. It's, I'm, I'm the one who's going to um, satisfy myself. I'm the one who's going to um, give myself uh, everything that I need. It's, they're self-centered. So they live their lives that way. And so if it's by drinking, then they drink. If it's by eating, then they eat. If it's by um, doing other drugs, then they do other drugs. If it's by spending, then they spend. If it's by conquering women, then they conquer women. If it's by taking men, then they take men. The point is, the self-centered can only find satisfaction in what they think is the best for their lives, usually founded in uh, really great rebellion against God. God is not, you know, God is like Thor to them. It's like no big deal. He's just a myth. He doesn't matter. That's how the self-centered lives their life. The self-righteous looks opposite. In fact, the self-righteous look like, well, like you. They come to church. They read their Bible. They say all the right things, they sing all the right songs. But their problem is, is that they think that because of they do the right things, because they come to church, because they read the Bible, because they, it's on that basis that God will accept them. That's why the self-righteous stop coming to church after they sin. The self-righteous stop coming to church after they sin because they recognize that they're not good enough. They finally see it. And so they stop coming to church because it only reveals more to them. Oh, I can't go anymore. I started to sin, and I didn't want to be a hypocrite. No, 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 baby, you're a hypocrite right now. We know this. But the self-righteous, after they sin, they don't recognize the deeper... See, what the self-righteous also... Not only do they stop coming to church after they sin, but the self-righteous, and this is big, think that God owes them. Let me tell you what I mean. So the self-righteous stop connecting with believers. They stop pursuing Jesus when, one, they fail, and two, God fails. Here's what I mean by God fails. So they go, God and they don't say it just like this, but this is, this is in essence what they say, right? They say, God, have you seen all the work I've done? Have you seen all the overtime I've put in? Did you see the little old lady I crossed the street? Now what I need for you to do is fix this marriage. I will continue to be a dutiful servant, but you owe me wages, You owe me pay, and here's the pay. I'll take the pay in a fixed marriage. If you fix this marriage, I'll serve you forever. If you don't fix this marriage, I'm out of here. Hey, God, um, I'll serve you, but you got to treat this sin. This sin that I'm struggling with, you got to take it away from me. And if you don't take the sin away from me, then I'm out of here. I'll try somebody else. God, you have to get this kid better. They have to come out of this sick bed. And if you don't, I'm out of here. That's why you'll hear People say all the time, you know, I was serving Jesus, and I was loving him, and I can't believe he let my kid die. It was just terrible. And they're crying, and you like, your, your heart is going out to them. You're like, wow. But you go, oh, oh, my gosh. You, 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 you don't say this at that time because we're not inconsiderate or insensitive. But we love them, but at the end, we have to be able to share with them, oh, I see, so God is your debtor. 
God is your employee. And since he didn't perform the way you wanted him to perform, you fired him. That's what the self-righteous do. The self-righteous make up, they make up their own laws, they make up their own rules, and so long as they follow the laws, and so long as they follow the rules, they're good with God. As long as they follow, the self-centered are, you know, just as long as they're, um, as they have, like, happy feelings, then they're good. They don't need don't need God. Don't need God. I don't even know why I'm writing. You can't read this stuff anyway. Um, right? So the, uh, the laws, the rules, that, that, that's the thing, the self-righteous. This is why. This is why. Let me tell you something. The self-righteous, be around a self-righteous person. They'll tell you how to dress. They'll tell you what to wear, when to wear it. They'll tell you what to say, when to say it. When you're around a self-righteous person, you know you're not good enough. It's, it's, and what's interesting is that the poor self-righteous people, they're the only ones who don't know they're not good enough. And when they actually get a glimpse of it, they leave God altogether. That's why you can have a person serve God for 18 years and then bounce when a significant thing happens. This is self-righteous. This will not make you happy. This will not make you happy. And then there's the shallow. The shallow, yeah, well, the shallow, yeah, they look like you too. They do, they do. Here's the shallow. The shallow come to church and somebody says, Jesus loves you. And he died on the cross for your sins. And, you can, and they go, oh yeah, Jesus loves me. And it changes, abso- it doesn't change their heart. It doesn't change their thinking. The shallow they come to Christ and they go, oh yeah, Jesus said, what are you going to do tonight? Oh yeah, I'm going to sleep with my girlfriend. I'm sorry, didn't you just receive Christ this morning? Yeah, but I'm going to sleep with my girlfriend. You know, Jesus will forgive me. Jesus. The, the shallow walk around with the Jesus is my homeboy on their soul. Right? That's a, they walk around with that t-shirt on their soul. It's no big deal. Oh yeah, Jesus, don't worry about it. Jesus, oh yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I, I cheated on her, but you know, Jesus will forgive me. And, and yeah, 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 I know, I know, the, you know, I, I, I know I shouldn't have acted that way towards him, but don't worry, Jesus will forgive me. Yeah, of course I pay for prostitutes, but gosh, you got to know, don't you know? Jesus will forgive me. Of course he does. They look like you. And so their hearts are not warm. So when you go to them and you go and they're like, you know, they don't have enough finances to pay their bills and you go, don't worry, Christ will care for you just as he saved you. He'll care for you. You say something like this. What? Jesus is going to pay my life bill? Jesus is going to pay my rent? To which my response is, who do you think has been paying your life bill and rent all this time? Do you think it's you? Of course he's going to pay your light bill. But even if he doesn't, he'll teach you how to dance in the dark. So, but the shallow person, don't clap, I'm talking about you. But the shallow person, but the shallow person, Jesus doesn't warm their heart. So they're depressed all the time. They're falling into sin all the time. They do, they, the, the, when you tell them, cheer up, beloved. Christ has died for your sins. 
Cheer up, beloved. He has taken on the weight of your sins. He has taken all your wrongs and poured it on himself. He has given you his righteousness and you have taken his, um, he has given you his righteousness and he has taken your sinfulness. They're like, no big deal. It's no big deal to them. So to talk to them about the gospel, and this is the reason why they shouldn't drink anymore, is stupid. I hear my son in my head say, don't say stupid. I have a three-year-old son, and every time I say stupid, I find out how many times I say stupid to you. He goes, don't say stupid. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm walking around on pins and needles. But it's, it's foolish. It's foolish. Which one are you? Which one are you? Do you not care about Jesus? Is Jesus doesn't, you know, are you forced to be here? Did your wife or your mom or your dad, are you, are you, are you here because you have to be here? But you, you know what? You'll find, you'll find happiness somewhere else. It's not in Christ. I don't know. Are you here because there was a pretty girl at work and you said, hey, she said, what are you doing on Sunday? And you thought she had better idea than come to church, but you said nothing. And so when she said come to church, you figured this is one of the ways I can get with her. Is that why you're here? Yeah. You're self-centered? It, you'll, you'll be unhappy. You'll be unhappy. Are you self-righteous? Is, does Jesus owe you? Is, is your relationship with Christ based on your good performance? When you watch pornography, can you not read your Bible afterwards because you feel like Jesus cannot forgive you of that sin? Are you, is your basis of your righteousness on yourself rather than your righteousness being of Christ? Oh, I feel so bad for you. I feel so bad for you. But don't worry, I feel bad for me too because I fall in that category the most. I think that it's my actions, it's my duties, my performances that'll get Jesus to smile on me. And I don't understand that he's already turned his chair. There are no more battle rounds. I've won because I am in Christ. Are you shallow, right? Are you just, like, it doesn't matter. Just do whatever you want. Sin whichever way you want. Worship whomever you want. It's, it's, all, it's all the same. The shallow people will say things like this. It's all the same, you know, Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus. It's just all a good teacher. It's like, oh, you just don't know. Buddha did not suffer and die for how. If Buddha would have known how wretched you are, he wouldn't have you on his team. Jesus knows how wretched you are and pays for you to get on his team. It's shallow. These are the three ways that we try to pursue happiness and they don't work. Our hearts were made for more. And because God knows this, he's given us a text, a scripture that we might look at and see the beauty and the wonder of his gospel and know two things. One is that we're far worse. We're far worse than our sinful selves will ever agree to. And that we are not at all God is not at all in our debt. And that if we could understand how shallow, we would find joy. Because we would see Jesus as he truly is. There's, a, there's another way. There's a fourth way. And the fourth way is called, this is awesome, you're going to love this. It's called the gospel. This, everything you need. You have a bad marriage? Gospel. 
Your kids are not behaving the way you want. Gospel. You have poor self-image, like you think you're ugly and you're, you know, and you and you feel terrible. Gospel. Gospel. You you spend your life trying to achieve the next thing. It doesn't matter what your accomplishments were in the past. All you have to do is try to achieve your next goal. Gospel. That's what you need. You'll never, you go, I'm never satisfied. Gospel. You go, you have a, oh my gosh, I hate myself, and you cut yourself. Gospel. You, you drink. Nobody else knows. You have the great breath mints and you, 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 the eye drops and all that stuff. Gospel. You, you have a terrible, empty marriage. Gospel. Your kids hate you even after all you've poured into them. Gospel. You and I need the gospel. And so I'm going to show you the gospel really quickly. We're going to look at it, but we're going to, we're going to stand. It's been so long since we stood to, for the reading of God's word. The reason we stand is because God's awesome. And he's about to tell us how to be happy. So stand up and let's hear what God would say. Okay. All right, I'm going to read, I'm going to read um, 6 through 12. You guys are going to jump in 13 through 15, okay? Is that, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I should actually say where we're reading. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. Listen to me. This, this if, you, if you ever said, you know, hey, so, you know, if anybody's ever asked you, so why are you a Christian? Or what, what, what's, what's so different about Jesus? Or anything like that. I'm going to actually help you to understand that and be able to explain it in, like, no time at all. But this is going to speak to you in a powerful way. Okay. So let's, let's get to it. Okay. Um, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Praise Jesus. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you are also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self-ruled, your whole self-ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Let's read this together. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of the flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is God's word. And I just told you, listen, sit down. I just told you. I just told you how to um, uh, find your solution to your depression. 
I just told you to find, how to find happiness in the midst of a bad marriage. I just told you how when you're going through cancer treatments and the chemo is making you throw up. I just told you how to have joy. We just read it. And so let's, let's unpack it because it's, it's unbelievable, guys. If we get, listen, if every other sermon in, that I ever preached, you completely forgot, but you actually applied this one, your life would be infinitely better next week. Just next week. Just like immediately. You know how like, um, you, you see this on infomercials, right? They say things like, um, they say things like, uh, you can lose 30 pounds in such and so if you just do this program, right? And, and, and it doesn't work. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. What I'm telling you right now is that this is not an infomercial. This is truth. And if you, you, have, to, you have to beat this truth into your heart because everything else in the world and let me just quickly do this. Now, this should have been a three-week series. I should have done this in a three-week series. So, you know, you can just tell me, bad pastor, you need to explain a little bit more of this. You can tell me that later. But I'm going to race through this. You have to meditate on this on your own. I'm just going to give you some, some hooks to hang your hat on and your heart on. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See, here's, it's what we were singing about. It's what we, the problem for unhappiness is that we have placed something other than Jesus as the source of our happiness. If our wives take us back, then we'll be happy. If we close that next deal, then we'll be happy. You know, if we only could achieve this goal, then we'll be happy. If we could only pass the test, then we'll be happy. If we could only get the lover, then we'll be happy. And Jesus is going, no, no, no. You're, it's found in living in him. In life, miseries and pains and sufferings and difficulties, they're all going to happen. But we can get through them and even get through them with joy. Even if the tears are rolling down our face, even if our heart is breaking, it's not that we stop feeling, it's that we stop putting the foundation of our lives on things that will only pass away. And so... I gotta do. I gotta break all the rules. Okay, so jump to verse thirteen. I gotta go to the end because I'm not confident that I'm gonna finish. Go, go to the end. Go to verse thirteen, and then and then after I finish thirteen to fifteen. So so what you're gonna what we're gonna look at right now is how God did this. How are you? See, we're gonna right now we're gonna speak to the self-centered, the one who says who cares about Jesus. We're gonna speak to the self-righteous. The one who says, Jesus, you owe me. And if you don't work hard enough, you're fired. And we're going to speak to the shallow. The ones who's like, yeah, well, whatever. Yeah, Jesus saved me. He's my homeboy. So what? So we're going to try to speak to all of you. And it's all found in verse 13 and 14. It's all found. We're going to look. This is the gospel. So let's look at the gospel. It's very powerful. All right. So when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh... Stop right there. Okay, so the Christian faith is not about making bad people good. Oh, you don't need to be made good. You don't, you don't understand. If you think that the Christian faith is about making bad people good or good people better, you're way off. This is not the gospel. The, the, the fact is, is that you and I are not bad. You and I are dead. 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 We're dead in our trespasses. 
We have no ability to turn to God. We have nothing in our hearts that desire or long for Jesus. What our hearts long for and what our hearts want is what we want and what we long for. And that's everything but God. It's the reason why many of us, many of us tried 50,000 ways to be happy before we came to Christ. Jesus was the last house on the block. The reason Jesus was the last house on the block, it was a desperate knock. It was like the rain was falling and the car had broken down and the road was empty and it was dark and it was like, oh my gosh, there's no other houses on this road. And I've been to every house on this road. Sex will make me happy. Power will make me happy. Approval will make me happy. Comfort will make me happy. If they like me, they'll make me happy. If they approve of me, if I get the lover, everything will make me happy. And once every one of those things fail, we finally find our car breaking down on the road. And it's dark, and we hear the howl of the wolf, and it's like, oh, I'm scared. I can't stay out here at night. And then there's a lone house out there with a light on. And we go, oh, gosh. And the door opens, and he says, you know, I've been waiting for you for years. But we don't come to him unless we've tried everything else. Isn't that true? Isn't that your story? Yeah, the people who are not saying, mm-hmm, I know you. You were dead, dead. Do you get it? Dead. Not, not good to be better. Not bad to be good. Dead. So you can't come to God. God has to draw you to. In other words, if you really believe this, then God can never be in your debt. You see, if you really believe this, then you owe God everything and God owes you nothing. That if God never gave you another thing, you'd be super satisfied because he's given you all that you need because you're dead, dead. Imagine on day three after the World Trade Center had crashed down, you know what they spent most of their time doing? Yelling at dead people, hoping that dead people would respond, and dead people don't respond. That's why, that's why at 13, 14, 26, some of you, like, if you came to a service like this, you were like, oh, good night. When is this guy going to be over? You couldn't hear anything. And now it's like, whoa, give me more. I want the gospel. I want the gospel. I want the gospel. You know who has to do that? Jesus has to do that. And if Jesus doesn't do that, your heart, listen, if your heart is not enlivened by the gospel, then go, God, please give me a heart of flesh. Turn my heart of stone into flesh. I can't do it. You got to do it. We owe him all. You're dead. And he resurrects. He's in the resurrection business. So when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. This is the first thing. He makes us alive. He gives us life. Now we can feel. Now, I couldn't love my wife before. I can love my wife now. I couldn't enjoy reading God's word. I can enjoy reading God's word. I couldn't take pleasures in the simple things of life. I'm taking pleasure. Why? Because I was dead. And he made me alive. Oh, sing for joy. Celebrate. Let the tears roll down your face that the God who's in the resurrection business took your dead, hard heart and made it a flesh and alive, made it a beating heart heart. Oh, man. He's made you alive. Scott, don't miss that. 
Don't miss that. Listen, I know you think that you'll be alive if you just get that next thing or if you just get that next lover, if you just accomplish. I'm telling you, that won't make you alive. Jesus has made you alive. He's made you alive. Secondly, not only has he made you alive with Christ. Okay, I'm going to get into that in a second. He forgave all our sins. Write that down. This is huge. Forgiven. Forgive. He's forgiven you. Watch this. You know when you start, you know when you, when you start getting to the point where you just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how bad I am. And then a friend comes up to you and, um, and says, oh, you're not that bad. It's not that, you know, you're just being so hard on yourself. I just want you to practice this, right? When they do that, I want you to go, stop that. <laughs> okay, practice. Let's do it all together, okay? Let's go. Stop that. <laughs> no, don't do that. Please don't do that. Okay, but here's the point. The point is, the point is, they want you to find forgiveness in yourself. That's why some of you walk around going, I know, could you imagine how crazy this is? Think about how crazy this is. And we, we say this all the time. We say things like this, I know that God has forgiven me, but I haven't forgiven myself. <laughs> Think about how mad that is. That's insane. That's like I get caught murdering somebody, and I'm telling you, they got like on HD, somebody took their iPhone, and like, ha, 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 and they got my picture, and I murdered somebody, and then I go before the judge, and he goes, and he goes, not guilty, for whatever reason, like a technicality, right, not guilty, and I go like this, and I go to the judge, I know that you found me not guilty, but I feel like I need to go to jail because I haven't proclaimed myself not guilty, no, 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 no. you know what you do, right, said no convict ever, right, like, it never happens. You know why? Because the judge's authority is higher than the authority of the suspect. You've been forgiven. How bad of a mom you were? How bad, how bad of a mom were you? Let's, let's talk about that. How bad, how, how, how horrible were you as a mom? Forgiven. Forgiven. That's why we have so much joy in Christ. Because you were a horrible mom and you've been forgiven. How bad of a child were you? Did you put your parents into an early grave because you were so bad? Were you the ones that put gray hairs on their head? Forgiven. You see, we can know deeply. We can know deeply. Why? Because it says so right here in verse 13. He forgave all our sins. Let me ask you something. How many of your sins are all? Anybody know? No, 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 no. Like all? all. Hmm. I mean, thank you for that help, sister. That's great. Even the one, even the one that you're thinking about. Even the one that you're saying, no, it can't be that one. Oh, Jesus. Jesus has broken the chains. He has set you free. Shame, you have no life in me because the shame that I have merited has been given to Christ. And now I will. Now I can walk with my head held high, not because I have a head that's held high, but because Christ's head fell low so that I could have the forgiveness of sins. How bad of a, let me ask you something. How bad was your addiction? How bad? How many lives did you ruin? Listen to me. 
If you don't see how bad it is, this forgiveness piece means nothing. That's why we say here all the time, you're worse than you think. But you're more loved than you can imagine. Many of you are walking in depression and sadness simply because you, you have not, one, recognized how bad you are and how deeply you're forgiven. It just it hasn't dawned on you. So whatever you're thinking about, I'm telling you, you're worse than that. You, are you a bad wife? Nah, you're worse than that. Are you a bad husband? Worse than that. Single person, have you like blown it a few times? Not a few times, lots and lots of times. More times than you can ever imagine. Are you like a, a, a bad employee? No, no, no. You are a super bad employee. Watch this. And you stand alive and forgiven. He forgives. Would you apply that to the greatest atrocity that you've ever committed into your life and receive it deeply? to the greatest shame that you walk with. You won't be, you see, you won't be made excited about Christ. You'll move back to self-righteousness. If you don't get this, you'll move back to self-centeredness. If you don't get this, you'll live in shallowness, not understanding the profundity of the gospel. I don't care where your kid is. You've been forgiven. You don't have to love your kid because you feel guilty. Divorced parents, listen to me. You don't have to love your kids because you feel guilty. You can love them because you've been forgiven. God made you alive with Christ, and he forgave us all our sins. And let me just, and let me, okay, I just, there's no time. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he Canceled the charge. Okay. So what does that mean? That means, that means that he'll not hold your sin over you. That means that the, the end result that you needed, you needed uh, to experience punishment for your sins. You've never really understood how powerful a cancel of a charge was unless you've been forgiven a deep charge. Like, for instance, um, uh, like, if you've gone to, like, court, like, have you, have you ever gone to, like, court for anything, for, like, a rent issue or anything like that, and then, then they cancel, no, 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 we're going to, you know, we're going to give you a one-shot deal. And the weight that you feel off your shoulder when that, <sighs> you mean, I don't, I'm guilty for sure, and I've been forgiven, but now the consequences of my sin won't have to. Now, you may experience, like, for instance, right, if you murder somebody here on earth, right, and, you know, you, the authorities catch you and they put you in jail, you may have um, to go to jail, but God won't add another charge. In other words, you can, you can be free even in prison. He's canceled the charge. The, what we deserve is not just jail. We deserve hell. And God has canceled the charge. Do you see what we're saying here? Why, why, are we, why do we have joy in Christ? Because we've been made alive. We've been we were dead and God drew us to himself and made us alive because he's forgiven us and because he's canceled our charge and has taken it away. I love this part. Um, and nailed it to the cross. Let's just do this quickly. So he has taken it away. Uh, way. And, and I love this. 
Nailed it. Okay. Now let's look at this. So God has taken it away. That means, listen to me, you know how like when you think, when you're by yourself and you start thinking of all the bad things you've done? God goes, no, 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 no. I've taken it away from you. It's, it's like, the, the most beautiful story I can remember about this is a, 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 there was a, an associate pastor or a youth pastor. His wife had cheated on him. He found, she confessed to him. She felt horrible. He confessed. And th- th- this is not anybody in this church. This is just something I heard another pastor say uh, who's not even in this state. Um, but, but it was such a powerful story. I, I want to share it with you. And uh, he, he was, as you can imagine, he was furious. He was furious. Um, and the pastor said, well, what, what, what do you want? And he goes, you, what do I want? He goes, I want blood, man. This is horrible. Like, I want somebody to pay for this. And, of course, the pastor talked to him about how Jesus paid the penalty even for his wife's sin. And he wept and was broken and went home, and his wife is crying. Because, like, I mean, like, you know, if you get caught, that's one thing. If you confess, I mean, that, there's a level of contrition there that, and um, she was just weeping, and she didn't know where the marriage was going to go. And so he came home, and he saw her weeping, and he left the house. He didn't come back for like a few hours because he just didn't know how to handle it. And he came back, and he had a box, and he gave it to his wife, and he said, I want you to wear this. I want you to wear this. And it was one of those nightgowns. You know those silk nightgowns that are like pearly white? And he says, and he said this to her. He goes, this is how I choose to see you. I'm not, I will not bring it up again. I choose to see you as my spotless bride. See, have you, ever, have you ever been in an argument with someone that you love and you knew you couldn't say what they had done wrong because you had done something similar and you knew they would bring it up? God says, no, I've taken it away. I won't bring it up again. I won't bring it up again. God has taken it away. And through, I love this. Uh, Corey Tim Boone, right, because the Bible says God has taken our sins and thrown them into the sea of uh, forgetfulness, which doesn't mean that God doesn't know what you've done. Like, right, he wouldn't be God if he didn't know what you did. But it, it means that he won't bring it up again. Corey Tim Boone says God throws our sin into the deepest part of the sea and puts up a sign that says no fishing. Isn't that good? You know why? Because he's taken it away. He's taken it away. And then he's nailed it. Now watch this. So if you feel like you deserve punishment for your sin, then here's what you can know. That Jesus, all right, uh, I'm not going to do that. Um, All right, let me try. This is my attempt to draw a hand. That's not so bad. Okay. Okay. Right? So... Yeah, it's a glove, right? Yeah. And so, so, so here it is. Here's Jesus' hands. And God has taken every sin that you ever have committed, that you are presently committing, and that you will commit. Everyone for your life. And you go, oh, no, 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 God just died for the sins that I've committed in the past. And I go, listen, beloved, how many of your sins were in the future when Jesus died for you? No, really. How many of your sins were in his future, in the future, when Jesus died for you? All of them, right? So imagine, 
there's this paper that's the size of the universe with all of your sins. And it's got all the things you've ever done. All the things you've ever done. Enumerated. And there's so many there that you don't even know them all. You don't even remember them all. And what he does is he drives a nail through the sins, nailing it to the cross through Jesus' hands. You have been liberated. That's why. So why are we happy? Because we were dead and now alive. Because we walked in shame and now we're forgiven. Because the, our, debt, our consequences for hell and death have been canceled. The, the, the charge is no longer. Because it's been taken away, God will never bring it up again. And because it's been paid for by Jesus' death on the cross. Does this make sense? This is a far better picture of happiness than being self-centered or self-righteous or shallow. Now, if you understand this, let's read that first verse again. So then, since all of this had happened, verse 6, since all of this, you're alive, you're forgiven, you're canceled. Some of you, and by the way, some of you, for the rest of this week, what I want you to do is I want you to take this into your prayer closet. And I just want you to go, God, drive this deeper in my heart. And when the Lord, conv- and, when the, and when the Satan tries to bring up your past, I want, you to, I want you to be refreshed in this. I want you to feel the wickedness of it. Don't, don't, don't use this like, oh, I'm not going to feel bad. And definitely don't use this as a, a defense against present sin. Like you curse at your wife and go, I don't care. Jesus nailed it to the cross. I don't care. You're like, you know, don't, no, you should be very sad. You should be very sad if you're cursing at your wife. You should be very sad if you're disrespecting your husband. You should be very sad if you're sleeping around. You should be very sad if you're here and love Jesus and on the externals, you're a perfect person, but inside, you're bitter and angry. You should be very sad. These things should make us sad. The point is, the sadder that they make us more on fire and overjoyed, his truth will make us. We've been made alive. We've been forgiven. We've, okay, you get it. Now, since so then... Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, and here's the deal, continue to live your lives in him. Don't live your lives. Why would you trade this? What are you going to trade this for? Who, what, he makes you feel alive? He makes you feel like you have no more past? He takes on all of your bad and wicked deeds? Yeah? Oh, that deal? That deal will make you feel alive? Yeah, it'll take all the way, uh, all the uh, errors that you've made in the past. Yeah, it'll, oh, you mean making your kids like you, even though you're spoiling them to death, but you feel guilty because you've been divorced? You mean, oh, 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 you mean that's going to make you alive? Like, what are you building your life on? Since you've been saved in Christ, therefore live in Christ. Don't get your identity in anything else. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So this is what this means. Today. 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 Some of you are going to have to you're going to have to ask a friend to come with you to your computer and delete some of the images that you have there. Because you don't want to do that anymore, because that won't make you alive. Jesus makes you alive. Some of you are going to Stop. There's a lie that you've been telling everyone. 
And you're just going to go, no, no, my identity is not found in this lie. My identity is found in Christ for some of you. For some of you, you're going to come to your wife for the first time in decades, and you're going to say, I have been a horrible husband. I've treated you with contempt. And she's going to go, you're absolutely right. I can't believe it took you this long. <laughs> and you're going to be okay because you're not alive because of her approval. You're alive because of his approval. If she doesn't forgive you, be still, beloved. You've been deeply forgiven by the highest authority. If she doesn't cancel the charge, in other words, you're going to have to pay for this one for the rest of your life. Your, your charge has been canceled by Christ, and there's something better to look forward to. If she doesn't take it away, you get where, right? you get where I'm going with this? If she doesn't absorb it, you can, you can be happy, you can be free. You can serve in freedom so that the next time you serve and nobody acknowledges it, you go, but I'm alive, I'm forgiven, I'm canceled, I'm taken, I'm nailed. It. It's all found in Jesus. So don't run to lesser things. Finances and goals are wonderful, but they're not the ultimate things. So this week, could you imagine what this week will feel like? If you start going, if you start saying to your family, guys, I watch way too much sports. I, I'm just, I, and I really want to watch these sports. But Jesus is convicting me, and I'm no longer going to stifle his conviction. And I want to serve you. So would it be okay if we went out for ice cream before or after the game? Because <laughs> none of the guys here are going to give up the game, right? Whatever the game is, right? So is it, but, but do you see what I'm saying? Like you can actually be as horrible as you are and walk in freedom and joy. Imagine if that's your job this week. Imagine if you do that for the rest of the week. Imagine if you go, I'm not going to go back to this prostitute. Why? Because my joy I'm made alive in Christ. Imagine if you said, I'm not, those words that I tell myself, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go, God, this is what I think of myself. And then God can go, oh, so you're finally thinking clearly. That's true. All those things are true and worse. Let me tell you now what I think of you. I sent my son to die on the cross for your sins, for those very things that you feel terrible about. So rejoice and celebrate lift his name high. I pray that's your joy this week, and I pray that you start on the road to happiness. So the way we start on the road to happiness is we pound these into our brains. We pound these into our thoughts. We pound these into our interactions with others. We pound them into us until our hairs on our arm stand up with joy for all that Jesus has done.